Hi everyone and welcome back to the University of Law podcast for our next episode of Everything You Need to Know When Starting at the University of Law series. For anyone that's just joined us, I'm Darren Broad, an LPC MSc student and future trainee solicitor at Clyde & Co. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Coleman to discuss finding the motivation to study while at the University of Law. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners today, Helen? Hi, Darren. Thank you ever so much for, for that. Hi. Uh, hello, everybody. Lovely to meet you all. Um, so, yeah, as Darren says, my name is Helen Coleman. I'm currently a study skills advisor at the University of Law. I've worked in higher education for over 15 years now in various different roles, and I'm soon to be changing into being a, a senior lecturer in the education department at the University of Law. And um, I think you'll probably find that it's really rather a nice organisation to work with where there's an awful lot of support available to help you at, at each and every turn. So um, jumping in straight on to question one, Helen, a subject may be a bit tougher than others to study. So we're wondering how you would suggest to a student to help them study that topic and get more involved and interested in a difficult subject. Thanks for that, Darren. That's a really good question. I think there are quite a lot of techniques that perhaps people don't necessarily realise. And it's it's an awful lot easier than you'd think. Irrelevant of the topic, the same techniques will work for any topic, for any subject. And there are times that you think, oh, you know, look, this is a really difficult subject. It's more difficult than than you know my mates studying this and they seem to have an easy life and this kind of thing. But actually, all it means is that they've hacked into their motivation. And so everybody can do this. It's not a natural thing. We're not born motivated to to work hard and to actually go, how can I get everything I know about this subject? Some people are more interested in a subject than others. But actually, you can tap into that in yourself. And really, all it's about is creating a positive, clear study area. And that can be anything. Okay, so, I mean, have you found anything that's really helped you to create an area where you can focus Do you know, I think one of the things I've done is I sort of tend to move about when I'm studying. So obviously I'm very lucky to have moved out now, but especially when I lived at home, I'd sort of maybe spend the morning at my desk and then I'd go in the kitchen for a little bit to work. If possible, I'd try and sit out in the garden. So I think... That's a brilliant idea because that actually stops it getting stale. Yeah, absolutely. So I think creating a a study space is brilliant but I think my tip will be to try and have a few study spaces so it sort of breaks up the day a little bit. Brilliant you see that's that's kind of my point insofar as a study area it doesn't have to be a desk it doesn't have to be a table and it doesn't have to be even a quiet space it just has to be a space you're comfortable studying in so I mean yeah, that's a brilliant thing where you have an opportunity to have a desk and then an area in the kitchen, an area in the garden. And I, I hope everybody has an awful lot of space to do that, but not everybody does. So say, for example, if somebody is a working uh, working parent um, and they're trying to study while, you know, the kids are running around or while something else is happening, your positive, clear study area could simply be stood in a room with some headphones in. Okay, while you're actually listening to something, say, for example, listening to a podcast or listening to something else. But it's about creating that clear, positive study area in your head rather than just necessarily physically. Clearly, physically is fantastic. And if you've got the space, lovely. 
And of course, we, we need our students to have a laptop or a computer somewhere where they can actually focus. But some people use the on-campus computers and so their space changes each and every time. It's about having your own routine and creating that space, that study area in, in your mind to actually go right now. I'm in a, a headspace to study. It's about finding your best time to study. Some people study better late at night. Some people study better early in the morning or midday. And it's about going, if I can find out when that is, how can I maximise that? How can I get the most benefit out of that? And again, if somebody has other commitments, say, for example, they're caring for a vulnerable person or whatever it is, where can they fit the studying in. Now, I, I realise some people say, oh, it's easy to do a full time course while working full time. I, I don't think it is easy to do that. I think it's really incredibly difficult. And in an ideal world, um, I think I'd hope most people, if they were on a full time course, they wouldn't be working more than part time. But I realise everything is expensive. But really trying to fit things in, it, it is about organisation trying to create your own study space and trying to actually go, when is my best time to study? And once you've got that, you start thinking, right, I need to focus on the bigger picture. So I've got a, a, um, a little thing in a moment about why to less to your graduate self, which I've always found helps me at the start of a course, identifying one of my key areas that I need to focus on for the future, prioritising and organising things. So like a list of tasks, scheduling what you can, delegating where possible, because actually, particularly at the University of Law, most of our students will be going into a career where they'll need to delegate tasks. So it's good to start now. Um, planning your time uh, with a little bit about the Pomodoro technique reimagined. And then there's a Gantt chart because we all need to identify when our progress is going forward. Now, so those are some simple ways which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But the key thing I would actually say to any type of motivation and to maintaining being interested in a subject is actually to identify your skills, abilities, the wins, whether they're big or small, and rewarding yourself. Now, every victory is a victory. I don't care whether it's a small victory or a big victory. It needs to be celebrated because it's all very well waiting for graduation day, whatever that is. But it's a long journey. And it's an awful lot of time and effort and emotion that we put into this. So actually, we need to focus on rewards and just going, do you know what? I did really well on that. And the, one of the best ways I would say to do that is every week to just write a small note and go, do you know what? I did that this week and it was really good. I led um, a, a group presentation and that was really good. Or I gave my first presentation and however nervous I was, I still did it. And that's a really good thing for the future as well, because it'll help people identify their skills and abilities moving forward for when they're going to interviews. And the other thing that I think is one of the best things, and I think we do it particularly well at the University of Law, is student support. I think we have a huge team of academic advisors. Um, have you engaged with the academic advisors while you've been at ULaw, Darren? Do you know what? I actually haven't engaged with that team, particularly myself, but I absolutely know they exist and I know people that have got in contact with them um brilliant I think I, I I've been quite quite fortunate in I think yeah. I'm a diligent person in my revision through my GCSEs and A level mm -hmm. I sort of carried that forward but I think yeah. it was knowing that those support teams were there if I needed them was a real sort of weight off my shoulders um yeah and 
knew that actually if I did want some tips or advice or someone to talk to in that respect, I could turn to that team. And I know many of my my friends at university did go to those teams for help when they needed them. Excellent. So that's brilliant because there's so many people available. And I think that's an, that's something that, particularly if somebody's a first-generation university student, they don't necessarily recognise that there's study skills support, there's wellbeing support, there's the chaplaincy team, there's an inclusion team, there's finance, personal tutors, journey planners, academic advisors. There are all of these different people and their sole job is to actually help the students succeed and to make life easier. And I think, as you said there, with regards to just knowing that support is available helps. And it really does, doesn't it? It kind of makes you feel that you've got all of these cheerleaders who are basically, they've they've heard it all before, they've Mm -hmm. seen every angle, and they really know how best to get you the most appropriate help. And it's confidential support as well. And that's, I think, a fantastic thing. So one of the things I've found is that a lot of people, when they come to university, they might be really nervous or really stressed or really anxious about this leap because it can feel like a huge leap. But it's not done solo. It's not alone. And that's that's the thing. Having that support is something I think at the University of Law we do particularly well. Um But at all universities, there will be a level of support available. So it's not just us. This is a a thing that happens at university. So I don't think it's really publicised enough. And that's that's one of the things I find a bit disappointing. So I'd always say one of the key things to actually help with motivation and student support is actually asking for support and engaging in the student support departments. Um, I know at the University of Law, we have um, Mastermind Mondays, we have motivation sessions. There's a whole heap of resources available to help people actually engage with their motivation. And as I said, basically learn these study hacks for moving forward. I mentioned to you earlier about one of the first things I would say is focusing on the bigger picture. And I'd actually say to any student going into to university or college or any type of education is to write themselves a letter to their graduate self. And I want them to actually imagine how they'd feel at the end of the graduation day. And this is one of the key things, because when we start at university, we go, oh, this is great fun. And, you know, we can either create loads of friendships and it'd be a really fantastic experience. It's not always that positive an experience for everybody. But what I want everyone to remember is there is the same moment for everybody, irrelevant of your experience. Once you've graduated, you've had the graduation ceremony, they've, you know, you've got the certificate, there's photos have been taken, everybody celebrated. There's that moment where it's just you. And I think people forget that actually this is all about you as a person moving forward in your life and becoming an expert in a subject. So that's 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 brilliant. I think that covers off question one fantastically. Um, moving on, the next question we had, Helen, was sort of a joint question. So it's what are some tips to keep on track with studying and sort of joint to that? Do you have any tips to help students stop procrastinating? Because I know it's a it's a struggle for for most of us. I think it is. I think procrastination, it really is the thief of time, unfortunately. Um, And I think I'm I I used to be dreadful with procrastination and I still can be given an opportunity. Um, But I think really it's so okay. So we started off going. It's about kind of thinking how to create our own study space and make sure it's clear. One of the things I would say is 
get rid of dis distractions. And that can be as simple as turning your phone face down on a desk or a, at an arm's distance, okay? Because sometimes for me, I'll be reading something, or I'll be in the middle of work, and before I know it, I'm actually scrolling on TikTok and I think, oh, hang on, how did that happen? When did that happen? You know, um, so I think it's it's important to actually start acknowledging what you're doing, how you're doing it and why you're doing it. Mm. Um, so for me, I know that if something is stressful, I might be tempted to reach from my phone and procrastinate. Now, one of the things I've I found a really good um, I found a really good tip online, which was if you find yourself doing something where you think, oh, actually, I am procrastinating now, acknowledge it and go right what caused me to do that? And if it's a stressful situation or an email you don't want to respond to or an extra task somebody's thrown your way and you haven't got time to do something like that, go right, I'm going to give myself five minutes to actually focus on that task and just five minutes to focus on that task. And then one of the things that you find, well, one of the things I've tended to find is that it's a task that I thought, oh, I really don't want to do that. It's going to take hours. And when I actually go, I'm going to focus on it for five minutes, I've probably finished that task in about two or three minutes. Yeah, and yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? We build these things up so much. So one of the things I would actually say was well, a couple of things. And it's basically a, a mishmash of um, listing, scheduling, the Eisenhower matrix and the Pomodoro technique. Now, okay, so they all sound quite, you know, it sounds very technical, but it's not. It's as simple as actually going, sitting down for five minutes and going, I'm going to list all of the tasks I need to do in the next day, week, month, however long, whatever that period of time is. And you embrace and confront the fear of how much you've got to do. And you go, right, OK, I've got to do all of this. Nobody's coming in to rescue me. I need to actually go, what are these different tasks that I need to do? And you write them all down, however many there are, because you then tear them apart. So you've got your full list, um, sleep, travel, work, additional study, prep, consolidation, assignments, laundry, cooking whatever it is, you've got your full list, okay, and it's always a big list as a student, isn't it, Darren? There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, it, it doesn't just finish at work and sleep and things like that, it's all the rest of it. So you put it all together and then you pick up a schedule that you like. Now, the one I've suggested here is simply eight in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, Monday to Sunday. Mm. Clearly, that is just a bog standard weekly schedule. Everybody has their own Weekly times, as I said, you need to think about when your best study times and that kind of thing and, and create it to your own requirements. But in that weekly schedule, you put in all of the immovable tasks from your list. So if that's studying, if it's traveling, if it's going to work, if it's volunteering, whatever it is, you put it all in. And that suddenly reduces your list by quite a lot. Now, here I haven't put sleep time in. What I would say is, if possible at all, try and have two hours without um, screen time or without work before going to sleep, because it'll help you sleep better, help you have better quality of life. Um, and this, one of the key things with this is actually about reducing stress and guilt 
because one of the key problems I've found and that I talk to a lot of students about is they go, I plan to do something and then I spend the rest of the whole day doing something else and I've got to about tea time and I think, oh, I've wasted a day not doing it and I've not enjoyed that day either. And these techniques together reduce that massively. So once you've got your big list and you've scheduled everything off that you can, so everything that's immovable you've put into the schedule, then go into what we call the Eisenhower matrix. You can call it what you want, really. It's purely and simply um, in the top left hand corner, we've got this urgent, important box and we want to green light that to ourselves. So we put in do and we say, right, this is the stuff I have to do within that set period of time. Mm. And then we look at the not urgent, important stuff. So plan. So this is a thing. Do I need to do it this week? If not, put it back. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you picked up something and gone, well, I don't need to do it till next week, but I really enjoy doing that session or that lesson. So I'll do it now anyway. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I think we're all guilty. Yeah, it's kind of I enjoy doing that one. So I'll do that. No, we need to put that back. If it's for next week or after the period of time that we've chosen, put it into the plan thing, the amber box. Now, the not important but urgent stuff. It's important to start delegating. And if you put a list of stuff in there that's it's urgent, but it's not important, you've got to think, well, why am I doing it? If I've got important and urgent stuff to be done, why am I doing stuff that's not important? So you've got to start thinking what is important. And then we need the reward box. And this is one of the key parts. This is something you can put up anywhere in the house. okay? And what you can start doing is you put, right, well, I've got to plan this assignment in the do box. I've got prep to do. I've got weekly tasks. Um, My next assignment, that's going in next week. And actually, maybe shopping, DIY, home tasks, something like that can go in the delegate box. And then reward. If you put something like this up around the house, if you live with colleagues or with family members, then they can actually see the level of work you have to get done. So it can really help. But it also helps you actually go, what are the tasks I need to do? And that is where the Pomodoro technique then comes in. Sorry, I realise this is quite a convoluted way through it, but it's basically list, prioritise, identify and then do. OK, and it's it's a really good way to actually start your week off. So even if you just sit there for five, five minutes or 20 minutes doing this, it will help the rest of the week fall into place and it reduces that guilt feeling. It reduces the nerves, the stress, the anxiety, feeling daunted, feeling overwhelmed. And it's it's just so simple to do. So this is where the Pomodoro technique comes in. Now, traditionally, it's 25 minutes. I think society has changed now that 20 minutes is probably a better, more manageable and more realistic amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because to me, I think, well, half 25 minutes, that's half an hour. Oh, crikey, that's nearly an hour. I don't have the time. If I think 20 minutes, I think, well, it's not as long as an episode of Friends. It's very quick. 20 minutes is nothing. Do you see what I mean? So I just yeah. think it's quite manageable. So what you do is you've got your list, you've scheduled out the immovable tasks, You've gone to your Eisenhower matrix and you've prioritised, you've got your list of tasks. So you pick the first one in the green box and you go, right, I'm going to do this. Now, you set a timer for 20 minutes, whether that's your phone or an app or something on the computer or an alarm clock, 20 minutes. And you sit down to do that task and you make sure you've got a pen and paper with you. And the reason for that is because nowadays we have so much stuff thrown at us and there's so many things we need to juggle that 
any intrusive thoughts or tasks, you write them down. Acknowledge it, write it down and get back to the task at hand. And that will change things quite dramatically. And it helps you learn to focus a bit better as well. So you set the, the time for 20 minutes, you write down any intrusive thoughts or any tasks that you need to do, and you put it back to the side, focus on the immediate task at hand. And then when your 20 minutes is up, you have a break. Having that little break is going to help your creativity. It's going to help your active recall. It's going to help you actually enjoy the subject. Minimum five minutes, maximum as long as you need. Okay. If you do have a five minute break and then you do another 20 minutes, then the maximum you do is four sessions and then you take at least a 15 to 30 minute break. Now, if you want a more formal way to do it, there's a thing called a Gantt chart and um, the university pays for you to have Microsoft um, Office while you're here. So if you open Excel, type Gantt in the in the search box. So, you know, if you um, want to create a new template or a new file, and it will give you all of these different templates. But the Gantt charts are fantastic and they're a really good thing for you to have on your desktop and even keep as a screensaver because you can see as you're moving through tasks, particularly good with the dissertation and that kind of thing. Thanks, Helen, so much. Those those answers are brilliant um, to keep on track with studying and stop procrastinating. Our final question we had to cover off is any tips you had on how to remain motivated to study throughout the academic year? Um, and I know, I think one of the best things I do is just find something that I can help me to zone out. So um, I really enjoy swimming and I've taken that up a lot this year. And that's been something that's been a real sort of um, relief after a long day at university. I think that's a fantastic thing. Um, I think engaging in a physical action is a is a brilliant way to actually to de-stress, to kind of have a watershed moment. Uh, no pun intended with you having taken up swimming. Um, sorry, forgive me. Um, but it's, it's, it's really important to have that. One of the things I'd actually say is before, just before you kind of switch off from that, I would actually say one of the best ways to remain motivated is to have the Gantt chart, if mm. that's possible, if you're comfortable with that. And if you're not, I'd actually say the other thing is to keep a journal. And I don't mean as in a journal insofar as, um, you know, something fluffy, that kind of thing. What I mean is a, a serious journal that you can actually move forward with and keep with you. Because the thing we forget to do often is we forget to keep evidence of how good we are at things or our skills, our abilities, the things we do and the things we've learned. And that's a really vital part of our time at university, because the whole time we're at university, we're creating and collecting evidence to help us in our future careers. And we forget to do it. This is one of the weird things. Very rarely do people go, right, can you actually sit down and write me a journal of all of the things that you've achieved in the past month? So doing it yourself is a huge deal. And it's actually something which when you then go on to interviews or say, for example, if somebody like yourself, they're looking for a training contract or whatever it is, they can go, you know, when they go to the interview or when they're talking to people and they're wanting to give examples, they've got all of this evidence available if they've journaled along the way. And I mean to do it in a very specific manner. Now, people can either choose a reflective practice process. So there's Gibbs, Kolb, Sean, uh, Driscoll. I think Driscoll is one of my favourite ones, which is um, what happened, so what, what next? 
Um, but I think Kolb as well. So um, Kolb presents about uh, your experience, really everything that you experience helps you move forward. So I'm always going to say that, try and think about that in a reflective manner. But the way that people are often looking for evidence and examples now is through a thing called the STAR technique. Now, at the end of every week, can you imagine how much evidence you have if you sat down and went, everything I've done this week, let me have a think about a skill that I'm going to need for a future job, a future role, my future career. Do I have an example of that this week? And once you start looking at it, you start creating this employment or employability toolkit for the future as well. But it's actually really good for your own sense of self, because I don't know about you. I often talk to myself in a bit of sounds dreadful. I talk to myself, but I'll reprimand myself if I've done something wrong or if I haven't done something. And I, I reprimand myself in a really bad way. <clears throat> and I wouldn't talk to anybody else like that. But we forget to reward ourselves and motivate ourselves and go, that was really good. Well done, you. That was fantastic. Yeah. And we kind of leave that part to other people and we forget to do it to ourselves. And so I think the STAR technique, as I say, it's something that's more and more popular. And we, our careers department use this as well um, to help our students move forward and identify their skills and ability. So if you start yourself, it's a really good way. So all you do is um, basically you have a think about your experiences, skills and abilities, what's happened during the week, and you put it into a specific manner. OK, and it helps you clarify your experiences, your skills and present it to others. So always think about if you've had a situation, it could have been a bit of a roller coaster of a week. Have a think about what task that you were given within that situation or what task you took responsibility for. Think about the action that you took, what highlights your skills and abilities, and then think of a result, but a quantifiable result. OK, and that's one of the key things, because and if you put it in these four sections, you can then go, right, OK, well, this is what was happening. This is what I was asked to do or took responsibility for. These are the actions I took and the skills and abilities that I have or developed, which helped it be better. And this was the outcome. Well, that's a, a really great note to end on. Um, all I have to say is thank you so much for joining us today for this episode. And I know the students are going to get so much out of listening to this episode. So I hope you have a lovely day. Um, you too, Darren. Thank you so, so much, much for your time. Thanks.